Check, check, check. Is this thing on? Check, check, check. Okay. Let's go. Hello, dear friends and damn givers. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm Nick LaPara, your host and friend. That sounds a little presumptuous because I don't know if you consider me your friend, but I certainly consider you mine. Either way, I'm so glad you're here. This week, it's just me. No guest, no frills, no thrills, just me sharing what's on my mind and heart. And toward the end, I'll also share some updates, things that are happening within Let's Give a Damn that I think you'll be interested in hearing more about. And like I said, it's just me, no editing, all in one take. If I mess up, it's staying in. Cool? Cool. So... First things first, before I get to the updates, here are some things that are on my mind. I jotted down a few notes. Most of this is going to be off the top of my head. I hope it comes out the way that it is bouncing around in my head right now because it makes sense in my head. Hopefully, it'll make sense once it comes out. First things first, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, why? Like, I'm genuinely curious. Even though I got vaccinated the first chance I could, I understood some of the concerns I was hearing from people around me regarding the vaccines. I didn't agree with the concerns, but I understood them. But here we are, months later, we have the data to prove that the vaccines work, they are safe, they have helped bring COVID cases way down here in my country, the United States, and all over the world. But now we have a problem. We have this much more dangerous and aggressive variant, the Delta variant, that has come into this country, the United States, and now the numbers are skyrocketing again, not just in my country, all over the world. Despite the fact that 97% of the hospitalizations come from unvaccinated people, and I know that leaves 3% of hospitalizations that are people that are vaccinated but have gotten COVID because the vaccines were not created to fight off any variants and definitely not this very aggressive, very dangerous variant. Several of my friends who are fully vaccinated have gotten COVID in the past few weeks. One of them was even hospitalized. So the question that I keep asking myself is, Why is this happening? My kids, I'm worried like hell because my kids uh, have to go back to school in two weeks. The first three weeks are virtual and then it's in person late August. They have to go back to school and they are not vaccinated because the vaccine the vaccines haven't been tested uh, sufficiently enough on little kids yet. As soon as the vaccines are approved, my kids will get vaccinated, but they're not vaccinated yet. And I just found out that in the state of New York, the schools are encouraging teachers to get vaccinated. They are even giving them some incentives, but they can't require them, which is insane to me that any workplace couldn't require their employees to do something that is in the general well-being of everyone. So I am worried. I'm worried. 
And here's something that we haven't even been talking about all that much. And most anti-vaxxers aren't. I'm talking about it a lot because of the circles I'm in. But most people that are against the vaccine, uh, uh, aggressively against the vaccine, or just aren't taking it, they're not thinking about long COVID. Yes, maybe you won't die from this. But there's a good chance that if you get COVID, and I know many people like this, they are having long-term health difficulties as a result of getting COVID. One of my friends got COVID toward the beginning of the pandemic. She's very young and healthy, mid-20s. She still, a year and a half later, has trouble climbing the stairs or doing anything that is physically strenuous. I thought about playing on this uh, podcast today, I thought about playing some audio clips that I, I've heard recently from the last week or two of people sharing their stories of how they were opposed to the vaccine. They caught the Delta variant of this COVID uh, uh, virus, and they're in the hospital and they're fighting for their lives. I won't play them because honestly, it's really hard to listen to. But I will do this, and I'm moving on. Don't turn off the podcast just yet. The whole thing's not going to be about vaccines. But I want to plead with you. There are, we are, we are, most of the listeners are in North America for this podcast. We have listeners all over the world, and most of them are here. So that's why I'm speaking to what I would guess is the majority of listeners in North America and in the United States. We live in a country where right now there are hundreds of millions of vaccines sitting on shelves, waiting to be put into the bodies of American citizens and protect everyone around them and us. There are also countries around the world that don't have that. There are, there are millions of people, hundreds of millions, that wish they could have a vaccine, but they physically couldn't get one even if they wanted it. And here we are sitting on stockpiles. And we have uh, 30% of Republicans. I'm not going to make this a political thing, but I will state facts. Just under 30% of Republicans said they will not, under any circumstance, take the vaccine, as compared to, I think it's like 3 to 5% of Democrats. Friends, Republican, Democrat, no matter who you are, please take the vaccine. And I've only addressed some of the health things, right? I could talk forever in a day about the economic toll this is taking on us. We spent upwards of $10 trillion last year trying to get through this pandemic, and here we are, cases spiking again. I don't know what's ahead, but I don't think it's good. I could also talk about the mental health crisis we are in. And one quick note on the vaccines, for those that have taken the vaccine, you are more protected, much more protected than those that have not taken the vaccine. But before the Delta variant, at least for the Pfizer, the one that I took, and I think Moderna is comparable, the efficacy of those vaccines were at around 90%, maybe a little bit more. With this variant, they are only 60% efficacious against this variant. So in addition to the vaccine, please be careful. I love you all. I want you to be around for a long time to come. So at least for me, I've been vaccinated for months. I'm still wearing my mask in as many circumstances as possible. Again, speaking just for the U.S., 24 days ago, before the uh, Delta variant really started taking hold here in the U.S., 24 days ago, there were 10,000 
525 daily cases in the U.S. 24, 25 days later, there are 34,730 cases per day. It has tripled in less than 30 days. Please, my friends, get vaccinated, mask up, be careful. We're not out of this yet. And I believe that it is um, selfish. I don't believe you are thinking about the most amount of people if you refuse the vaccine at this point. I don't think you're looking at all of the evidence if you refuse the vaccine at this point. While we are on the topic of the pandemic, I'm moving on from vaccines. If you stuck through that, thank you very much. While we're on the topic of pandemics, my next thought, this is what I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it comes from a few different things that have happened. Um, I, if, if you've followed this podcast for any amount of time, you know that I think about death a lot. Last week, I had the chance to think about it in a different way. My wife and our children, they were at a park about eight blocks north of our apartment in Harlem. And I was at work. I was in the middle of a work call, actually. I got a text from her saying there were, there were gunshots at the park. We all just fled and ran out of there. We're safe. So I shut my meeting down immediately, called her. And essentially what happened was all the kids are playing there. There's parents. Everybody's there having a good time. It's mid middle of the afternoon, broad daylight. Bunch of gunshots go off. And these teenagers, two things happened at the same time. A bunch of teenagers ran through the park yelling, they're shooting, they're shooting. And right at that same time, 10 cop cars pulled up to this development right next to the park. And evidently, uh, I don't even know all of the details, but evidently the, the person who was shooting had run into the development and the, the police were chasing after um, whoever this person was. And I had a moment where I couldn't physically be with my family. I knew they were safe. My wife's a badass. She's taking care of the kids. She doesn't need me around. But there was this moment where I was like, holy shit. Like, what if that shooting, what if that, that shooter had not run into uh, uh, the development, had run into the park instead with my family there? So that was a weird moment where I was thinking about my family and death and again, as you know, I think about death a lot. So let's think about death for a moment. I promise we will land on a hopeful note, but hear me out. Hang in there. I've talked about Memento Mori on the podcast many times, and I want to talk about it again for a moment. As a refresher, Memento Mori means remember death or remember you must die. Remember you will die. And this was a practice that Here's how it would play out when a Roman general would come home victorious from war as they rode in those parades where they were, you know, flowers were being thrown at them and they were being praised and honored for their victory. A servant would whisper in their ears, memento mori, remember you will die. Remember you must die. To remind them that death is always near and that their turn is coming soon. Memento Mori was used in different ways throughout history, but that was one of the main ways that it was used to humble these generals as they were being praised for this massive victory. This 
past year and a half has been so incredibly hard. We've been surrounded by so much death. 191 million COVID cases and 4.1 million people have died around the world. 34 million COVID cases in the U.S., 609,000 deaths just in my country, just here in the U.S. Let me just throw those numbers out real quickly again. Globally, just under 200 million COVID cases, and globally, just over 4 million people have died. Every single person listening right now knows someone who got COVID, and many of you, sadly, know someone who died from COVID. And here's the reality. You and I, if you haven't gotten COVID, you and I have been inches away from getting it or possibly dying from it over these months as we're walking around with or without a mask. Sometimes I think about how many times during this past 18 months I stood next to someone as there was COVID virus in the air and that person inhaled and I didn't. They caught the virus and I didn't. I just heard the other day uh, four people went out to supper. One person didn't know they had it. They're all vaccinated. Every person at the table is vaccinated. One person didn't know they had it. They were one day away from showing symptoms. And that one person gave it to two other people at the table. The fourth person didn't get it. It's insane how close every single one of us uh, ha has been to becoming sick and possibly dying from this virus over this past year. The fact is, pandemic or not, you and I are always so close to death. This year just brought us that much closer. But we're always so close to death. And sometimes I watch those videos on YouTube. Maybe you do this thing as well. On YouTube or TikTok, they show people narrowly escaping death, right? They move out of the way and a car crashes the tree next to them. And you've seen those, right? And, and as I watch them, I feel two things, two big things. Gratitude that I'm still alive, right? Because I don't know how many times that's happened to me. And I also simultaneously feel the depth the gravitas of being that close to death all the fucking time, whether we know it or not. And then I usually feel one additional and bigger feeling. The feeling that I want to make the most of my time here on the earth. Whether my time here on the earth is one more day or 60 more years. The idea of Memento Mori is the biggest reason why I started Let's Give a Damn and why I think Let's Give a Damn will be around for many years to come. Because we've got shit to do. We've got problems to tackle. We have issues to solve. So let me wrap up this second uh, thought by saying this. I hope you think about death every day. And may the thought of death drive you to live so passionately so fully and drive you to give so many dams. And here is, I think, unless something else comes up while I'm, I'm talking this out, here's the last thing I want to bring up today before we get into some updates. And thank you for hanging in there with me. 
I don't get to do this a lot because I'm usually the one pulling the stories out of other people. And this is honestly difficult too, to be honest, just speaking into a mic, mostly ad lib, a few notes uh, in a, you know, on my screen in front of me. This is difficult because I wish you or someone was right here in front of me, but I think we're pulling it off. Well, you tell me if we're pulling it off. But here's the last thing I want to bring up. Let me take a quick sip of water. And I want to share a, a, a trigger warning here on the front end of this last bit. I'll be talking about suicide. So feel free to skip ahead a few minutes if you need to. I would completely understand. So that trigger warning aside, if you know me, you know that I am obsessed with the late Tony Bourdain. May he rest in peace. Without a doubt, I have watched every minute of television that Tony ever made plus all of the interviews, I'm just obsessed with the guy. All of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. I love that Tony took millions and millions of people to places they have never been to and will probably never go to. And as someone who has visited dozens of countries and feels way more at home outside the United States, I resonated with his adventurous do anything, eat anything, say anything, no fucks given attitude. When he died, I wept like a baby. I mean that. Uncontrollable. It was so sad. I simply could not believe it. When I was uh, talking, I went to see his film the other night, and we'll get to that. When I was talking that out with my wife, and I talked about even in the, in, in, in the film, I was just weeping. She said that she felt the same way when Robin Williams died, right? We have these people that even though we, don't, we may not know them you know, physically in real life, they might not be our friends, we feel so connected to them as we watch them, as we listen to them over the years in these different ways. When he died, I wept like a baby, and because he died by suicide, I still to this day get so sad thinking about how hopeless and helpless he must have felt on that night. Because you and I would probably look, we knew he was troubled, we knew he was a drug addict, we knew all of these things. But we look at him and we're thinking, we're, most of us probably thought, yes, he has the life. He gets paid to travel the world and do cool shit and be in all these beautiful places, and cameras follow him. It's got to be amazing, right? And yet he got to this point a uh, little over three years ago where he died by suicide. So, as I said a few minutes ago, I watched Roadrunner last week. It came out on Friday, but you know how it comes out on Friday, and it'll play certain places on uh, Thursday evening. So I masked up late at night, and went to uh, my first theater in a year and a half. And I went late so that I, I knew there wouldn't be a lot of people there um, because of COVID and because I didn't want a lot of people around while I was watching this film. Like, I kind of wanted to feel like I, it was just me, you know? I found it. I found there was only like seven, eight people in the theater with me. Please go watch it. It's fantastic. And it's equally fantastic and heartbreaking. The last 20 minutes of the film are all about his last days, 
how he was declining. It showed some of the decline, why he was declining. And during the film, they interviewed lots of people. They interviewed his ex-wife and some of the other people that made all the shows with him, that traveled with him for 5, 10, 15 years making these shows with him. And one thing that several of the, the people that were interviewed, whether it was his, his, his ex-wife said this and so did other people, they wondered aloud was, should I have pressed more? Should I have seen it coming? Was there something I could have done to stop him? This is also not a surprise. I've lost several friends to suicide over the years. Most recently, my best friend, Randy, two years ago. It fucking sucks. I don't think I've ever cried about one thing more consistently than losing Randy. Mental health is so important. I'm getting to the point of my third thought that I want to bring today before we get into some updates. Mental health is so important. I believe many of you are listening because you want to do big things in the world. You want to accomplish great things for you and for your loved ones and for the world. I admire that. I'm with you. I have the biggest dreams for myself. Sometimes they seem so fucking big. But we cannot forget that before any of that happens, before we do any of those big things that we envision that we're dreaming about, we must take care of ourselves. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The first step in giving a damn, the first step of giving a damn is giving a damn about yourself. You must be healthy before you can give and serve and love others. If you try to do it the other way around, things could end up horribly. And let me speak to other people that are listening that don't struggle with mental health uh, issues. And I put myself in that camp. I thankfully, and I, I, I count myself so, I guess, blessed. I cannot remember the time, the last time. I, I, I don't remember ever being depressed. I don't feel anxiety uh, often, if ever. So let me speak to us right now. If you're doing okay mental health-wise, please know that at least one person in your immediate sphere of influence is not. Seriously, at least one person that you know close to you, no matter who you are, no matter how big or small your friend circle is, your family circle, at least one person in there is not doing okay. It might not be apparent, but it's true. It might not be evident. You might not be able to see it on a daily basis, but it's true. It's happening. So please ask. Please probe. Please be available. Please reach out. And if you're struggling, let me go back to the other group of amazing humans here. If you're struggling, I want to remind you that you're loved, you're worthy, and you're such an amazing human that we need around and want around for the long haul. And in an ideal world, people are reaching out to you to make sure you're okay, but we don't live in an ideal world. So if you're not doing okay and no one is reaching out to you, I hate that for you, but please reach out. Please scream for help if needed. I mean it. And I'm here for you if you don't have anyone else. Seriously. I offer my email on every podcast episode. Hello at letsgiveadam.com. They go straight to me. I get those. I will answer. I will help you in any way that I can. I can't promise the world and I can't do everything for everyone. But if you don't have anyone to reach out to, 
please reach out to me. Listen, friends, there are a shit ton of ways to give a damn, and there will always be people to help and love and care for. And we want you around to help us do all of those things for a long time to come. So let me finish these thoughts by sharing words from one of my favorite poems by one of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver. Here is Mary's poem, When Death Comes. We've talked about the vaccine, which included death. Then we talked about, we've also talked about uh, Bourdain and his film Roadrunner, which also addressed death. Then we talked about Memento Mori, which addressed death. I think that's okay because there's hope in all of this. Let me read this poem to you. The last part's really fascinating. It, it gets me every time. When death comes, like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut, when death comes like the measle pox, when death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility, and I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular, and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does toward silence, and each body a line of courage and doing something precious to the earth. And here's the last part that gets me and that I want you, I want it to get you as well. When it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder. If I have made of my life something particular and real, I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. That last line, and forgive me, I know my cadence was all off in that poem. I get so excited about these things and I just start rambling off. But that last line I don't want to end up simply having visited the world. That's why Let's Give a Damn exists. Because we want to make the most of our time here. A bridegroom taking the world into our arms. A bride married to amazement. Okay, I need to move on. I know I don't know exactly how long I've been going, but I know it's longer than I expected to. We're probably well into the 15, 20 minutes at this point. Let me give you a few updates. I hope some of that made sense. And I hope that it helped you. But let's move on to uh, you know, some updates about what's happening here at Let's Give a Damn. So much is happening. But I am a, let me just reiterate, I have people helping me in different ways, and I'm so grateful for them. But I'm a one-person operation with a few amazing people helping me out in a few ways. So things take a little longer. I wish that I could pump all of these things full of life and out into the world much quicker than it is currently happening. But it is what it is. If you do want to see these things happen faster, and if you do want to see Let's Give a Damn grow, rate the show. 
Tell your friends about what we're doing. Buy merch. Support us on Patreon. In the meantime, know that I'm busting my ass to get things going. I really, really am. So here's the updates. I think it's three updates. First, in the next month or so, we will be launching a store with some let's give a damn swag. I don't know. I think I'm too old to say that. Some merch. We're going to start with some, and I know many of you have participated in these like short runs before that we've done, you know, limited edition, pre-order, you know, stuff like that. But here we're thinking about launching a store that is stocked all the time. We're going to start out with three different t-shirts, some of the same designs that you have seen already and that many of you have purchased. We're making them again because you all loved them and I get comments on them all the time and people tell me about the comments they get all the time. So we're looking at three to four different tees, a hat or two, and maybe some smaller uh, items like stickers, maybe some camping mugs or travel mugs. We're working on all that now. And when I say we, uh, I mean uh, myself. And on this particular project with the store, myself and longtime podcast listener, designer, and helper extraordinaire, Zach Allison. Zach lives in North Carolina. He reached out a while back and said he wanted to help. And I said, cool. Let's do something together. But it never happened because I'm so fucking busy. So Zach asked again and again and again and again until I put him to work. Zach is a blessing, y'all. Zach's amazing. So anyway, when the store finally comes online, it'll be mostly due to Zach's persistence and badassery. Is that a word? Badassery? In the past. Um, again, in the past, we have done these short runs. We're hoping to have a store that is stocked all the time. Um because we want more of these items out into the world. Believe me, we're not making uh, enough money on this to make it a viable business. It is mostly to get the brand out there, to get the messages out there, to get this idea of everyone uh, can and should give a damn out there into the world. So make sure to buy some shit when this first run comes so we can make more of it. Deal? Deal. Second, so that was first, the store. Second, we are making a TV show. Well, we hope that we are making a TV show. We are currently pitching the hell out of a TV show. I am so lucky to have assembled <clears throat> an incredible team of people that are helping me build a, a, a bigger team of executive producers and team members for this show. We are talking with some very well-known people right now that we hope will be on the show with me. Some names we can mention, some we cannot. Some have been guests on the podcast in the past, some have not. I can't share much more about the show than I just did, but please send good vibes and prayers our way as we try to make this a reality. So far, the feedback as we've been pitching it around to uh, people in the entertainment industry, it, it is a unanimous the unanimous feedback we are getting is, yes, this show needs to happen. Whether it's with us or not, this needs to happen. This is a great idea. So prayers, good vibes, send them our way as we continue to pitch this TV show. What else? Oh, yes. Very importantly, the nonprofit. We are launching Let's Give a Damn, the nonprofit. This nonprofit will mainly be used to get money from you and from corporate donors and from other partnerships to the people, places, and things that need that money the most, right? 
So we see what we're doing as being a conduit. So something that I bring to the table, something that I've been hired to do in consulting before, and one of the ways that I've been able to, to I think, in a helpful way, contribute to various conversations over the years is that I have spent you know, just under 20 years in the nonprofit space, mostly full-time. And so I have been able to find all of these amazing people all over the world that are doing incredible work, that are, that are making real lasting change at a systemic level on a variety of issues, right? I'm not interested in continuing to fund all of these massive nonprofits that have huge overhead and that very little of the money goes to the actual work. No, not doing that. So with all the expertise in the knowledge and the network that I've built up, I'm building a team around me um, that will help us be a conduit of getting money from people that, again, want to be generous, whether that's you on a smaller scale or larger corporations, larger funders. We're already doing some work in that space right now to get that money from these uh, people, places, and things to the people, places, and things that need it the most. Money is good, and sometimes money is exactly what's needed, but also, in additionally, we are developing ways to get people involved in distributing uh, these funds and ideas and resources, right? So in addition to the, you know, raising funds and, 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 and distributing them, we are also going to find ways to get you involved. Because I know in your case, many of you would love to give, but you can't. Um, you're just getting by, and I don't want your money if you're just getting by. I also understand, you know, this idea of being generous even when we don't have a lot, and that's fine if you want to give. But I also want to make, I also want to create ways for you to be able to help in very tangible and physical ways. So that is coming. And, and, and I decided early on that I wanted to build an advisory board of only women. Why? And this is when I've said that before, I've gotten quite a few, I've gotten a few immediate, like very affirmative, you know, reactions, but some of the, the reactions are like, wait, what? That's weird. So why an advisory and a board of directors of only women? Well, a couple of main reasons are this. First, I am a type A, Enneagram 8, loud, passionate person that loves people and loves giving a damn so much, but sometimes I can come across as an aggressive asshole. Just a very, just aggressive, big, loud figure. So I wanted to counter, I wanted to be very active in countering my craziness with a team of amazing women that have collectively done more good in the world in their lifetime so far than I maybe ever will be able to do in mine. These are amazing women. The second reason is that dudes have most of the board seats, men, fill most of the board seats for most of the organizations in the nonprofit and in the corporate worlds. They don't need any more seats. So I built this board of women, and with the exception of one of these women, all of them have been guests on the podcast so far. I'm going to point out a, a few of them just because I think it's important for you to know what's coming and who is surrounding me as I do these things. Golries Lucina was one of the first guests on the podcast, and one of the first women I asked to join the board. I love Golries so much. Golries lives in New Zealand 
with her amazing family. She co-founded Soul Pancake with Rain Wilson and has spent the last decade or more building cool things that move people toward living a more meaningful life. It was a no-brainer to have Gold Reese on the board. Go back and listen to that episode. I think it was episode six, way in the beginning. She agreed to come on. I don't know why. She's amazing. The next uh, board member is Jessica Jackley, also one of my favorite humans. Jessica is the co-founder of Kiva, a company that envisions a financially inclusive world where all people hold the power to improve their lives. An amazing, and amazing startup that is very well known and has done incredible work. She co-founded that years ago and is currently the founder of Altruists, a company that provides at-home, kid-friendly, volunteer, and giving projects delivered to your doorstep every month. If you're a parent, if you have a family, I highly recommend you check out Altruists, an amazing company, and I know the founder. She's amazing. This is a wonderful, wonderful resource. So Jessica's on the board as well. Elizabeth Hudgkins is the co-founder of the multi-million dollar social enterprise company, Trades of Hope. She started this company with her best friend and their moms when she was 15, I think, just a teenager. She's an incredible addition to our team. Next is Ann Lee, the co-founder and executive director of Core Response, a nonprofit that saves lives and strengthens communities impacted by or are vulnerable to crisis. It's worth mentioning that she started Core with actor and philanthropist Sean Penn. Anne is amazing. They did such incredible work. She and Core did such incredible work through the pandemic. First, with testing. They tested millions, and they have vaccinated hundreds of thousands of people. Binta Brown is the next uh, amazing woman I want to mention. Former corporate lawyer, founder of independent record label and music and entertainment company Big Mouth Records, manager of many music artists, many of which you have heard of before, and... She is on the team helping me pitch and build the Let's Give a Damn TV docu-series. And lastly, Shannon Sedgwick Davis. Shannon is the CEO of Bridgeway Foundation, an organization that is unified in their relentless pursuit to realize their vision, which is this, a vision where the world is free of genocide. These are the amazing women that are going to help me build this nonprofit from an advisory standpoint and some in a more working capacity. We will add others very soon, so stay tuned. And lastly, I'm still writing this Let's Give a Damn book that I've talked about here and there. Y'all, I don't have time to write, and I'm not a writer by nature, by trade. So if you have some extra time, send it my way. I'm kidding, of course. But I do need to dedicate time in the next few months to making this a reality. Many people have already asked me to write a book, and now that I've talked about it, they're asking for it, and my agent is definitely waiting for it. So, nonprofit update, TV show update, store update, and book update. Okay, I have shared some thoughts with you. I've given you some updates. I think we are wrapping up for today. If you're still listening, you're amazing, and I don't deserve you. Thank you so much for being here today. And oh, wait, that's right. Before you go, I want to give you just a quick peek into some of the guests that are coming in the next few weeks. There are some guests that I'm really excited about that I can't tell you about yet, uh, but here are some that I'm equally excited about that I can tell you about. Joelle Leon is a reformer, author, and storyteller who writes and tells stories for black people. Lynn manuel Miranda, yes, that Lynn manuel Miranda said this about Joelle. 
Joel's words are where I go when I need some inspiration, and he never lets me down. It's quite the endorsement. So my conversation with Joel will come out in a few weeks. Next is Mary Kane. She'll be on the show soon. Also at 17, Mary Kane was already breaking records. She was, quote, the fastest girl in a generation and the youngest American track and field athlete to make a world championship team, end quote, according to the New York Times. And she just recently launched this amazing nonprofit that I can't wait to tell you more about. Also, Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, the leading force for gun violence prevention with chapters in all 50 states. Shannon is a force to be reckoned with. And I'll share one more guest before we wrap up. Jen Padalecki is an actress starring in shows such as Supernatural, Walker, and Wildfire. She's the founder of Town with a extra W in there, which stands for Take Only What We Need. I'll leave you with that because that's, that's quite the teaser there. What is town all about? But it's, she's amazing. She's married to actor Jared Padalecki. Uh, you might re- remember Jared from a certain show called Gilmore Girls back in the day. Anyway, so many great conversations coming your way. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. To learn more about Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. You can reach out to me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. I love you all. Be safe. Keep giving a damn. See you next week. Bye for now.